This is the Business of Apps podcast, bringing you actionable insights from the leaders of the global app industry and the world's fastest growing apps. You can find more app news, data and analysis over at businessofapps.com. Welcome to the Business of Apps podcast. On this show, we invite app industry professionals to cover various topics. We promise to do our best to keep it both insightful, but brief. In this episode, we have Aster Chapadu, Growth Marketing at Amplitude. Aster, welcome to the Business of Apps podcast. Hi, everyone. Glad to be here. Thank you for coming. It's great to have you on. Okay. One of the pillars of mobile app growth is app engagement. Month after month, year after year, this is the never-ending challenge for every app marketer or mobile product manager out there. This is what keeps them up in the night, put them on the plane to fly to the next app industry conference to learn more about it. Doesn't matter what country's app economy we're talking about or app category, a robust app engagement strategy is what brands desperately need to beat their competition to stay afloat, especially in such economically challenging times as right now. In this episode, we will save you some money on a beast trip by having with us Aster to tell you about how to boost app engagement with product-led growth principles. But first, Aster, let's kick off this conversation with talking about you. Please tell me about yourself and what is your background in mobile? Yeah, sure. Um, so uh, I'm a growth marketer and I've been in marketing for my entire career and it's really been on the side of understanding the analytics of marketing um, and then being able to tie activities and inputs all the way out through outcomes. Um, And my experience with mobile um, is really primarily on like tools that support mobile. Um, And that's exactly, you know, I think that's why we're talking and I come from Amplitude is thinking about like product analytics um, and then understanding the journey from acquisition Uh, which I think a lot of mobile app teams think about, maybe spend a little bit too much time thinking about and not enough on understanding what their retention trends look like. Um, And that's ultimately engagement and like understanding like why users are churning and why they're staying. Great. Uh, Tell me a little bit more about Amplitude. What do you guys do? Yeah, Amplitude is uh, essentially a product analytics company. So uh, there's lots of analytics companies. Uh, platforms. Some of them will allow you to measure what's happening on a website. Some of them will allow you to measure what's happening on your app. And then Amplitude is a product that allows you to measure both things. Um, Some interesting things about Amplitude that might be different from other types of analytics tools is a lot of analytics tools do event-based tracking. Hey, uh, you visited this site or you went into the app at this one time and did a couple of things in that one session, or sorry, they do session-based tracking. You did this one thing in this session, then you leave. Um, but a lot of times, like for a mobile app company, that one session isn't enough time to get to monetization. Like you need multiple ones. So you need a platform like Amplitude to be able to track what that one user is doing across multiple sessions and across different events to figure out like at what point do they actually come back or if not, at what point do they actually start using like really important features in your product um, features that you know lead to stickiness and habit building. And then at what point do they tend to monetize? Uh, and then we allow you to build cohorts. So what do those people look like that end up monetizing? What do they have in common? What can we learn from them? Got it. Uh, I found this topic of app analytics really fascinating because 
when you think about it, when you're selling, a, let's say, a product like a car, it yeah. doesn't take a rocket science to track, uh, you know, your communication with one client, one product. Uh, it's not that complicated. I mean, he or she may not make a decision right right away, right. get back home, uh, come back to it later. But right. that's not not even close when it comes to mobile app, when you have hundreds, thousands millions of customers and you have to be able to track the interactions with them in different stages from the right. very moment when they just uh, were introduced to your app to the moment right. where they start doing with the app right. to the moment when start when they start um, purchasing something in the app and helping your bottom line so yeah that's very intricate process allows uh, requires a lot of expertise a big team of folks who are doing um, app analytics for a living Right. Uh, first, let's talk about uh, growth loops. Why should we think about growth as a loop, not mm -hmm. a straight line? And <laughs> if you could yeah. provide a couple of examples, that would be cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there's uh, loops. Loops are kind of interesting. It's sort of like this perfect idea of having an activity um, probably some sort of investment in that activity, whether it's money and paid ads or it's time and building a community and uh, like running that activity or an experiment or whatever for a certain amount of time. Um, and a lot of times if you walk away from it, paid ads, I think is like a really good example of a linear activity where you buy a bunch of ads on like whatever, on Facebook or Instagram or whatever. And then they, you get some conversions off of it. So people will sign up and they download your app. Um, like a lot of times people will sort of walk away and then they'll track that thing. Oh, this app generated this many new users. This app generated like these many clicks and those clicks generated this one other thing. And then you kind of walk away and you stop measuring from there. And you don't really look at like the quality of that traffic how like long you were able to retain that person, like what actually drove them there? Um, what kind of promo were you running? And that, did that actually pay off like three or six or nine months down the line um, until you get to like important monetization moments? Like if you stop measuring at the moment of acquisition, then that's a really good sign that you have created just a linear activity. If you start thinking about like how you can run those campaigns in a really thoughtful way in different experiments where you're thinking about the quality of the user that you've acquired, uh, the cost that it took to acquire that user, what you were actually running, like whatever promotion or special that you were running to get them there, and then what that payoff period was and finally getting them to monetization and then feeding that back into the right channels and the right strategy. That's like a really, really simple loop. There are much more complicated ones. User-generated content is like the mecca of like a very interesting growth loop. Like Miro does an excellent job of this. Figma does a really excellent job of this. They are like the darlings of the PLG world. So like you go in, you get a free plan, you see a template, you use it. Like somebody has actually created that template. So it's not even someone at Figma doing it. Like all Figma did was like host a page. And then like a user comes in, creates free content, I am super interested. I use that. Notion does this too, right? Um, and then like I use the free plan. I get really interested. I continue to use it. And then like maybe I create my own template and I'm sharing that out. Also, I'm inviting people to use my like Fig Jam and I'm using people, I'm inviting people to use my Notion board. And then like other people are now users. This, uh, this is a great like example of user-generated content loops. 
And then it just continues to create like these economies of scale. Want to improve your app marketing skills? Now how to fight back mobile fraud? Or how to launch an influencer marketing campaign? You've got it all at the Business of Apps Insights. Opinion, how-tos, thought leadership, and analysis from global app and social media industry. Visit our insights section at businessofapps.com slash insights slash podcast. And now back to the show. Yeah, two things. First, that when I'm thinking about this problem, just uh, the one you've just described, that people just stop thinking about uh, what's happening with people they've brought into the app once the um, acquisition okay. through you know, okay. Facebook, uh, Instagram, or TikTok, or whatever is over. Um, it's become... Uh, <laughs> At some point, it becomes progressively hard to both think about users as real human beings or just mm -hmm. numbers on your spreadsheet. Yeah. Because when you're communicating with, with people just you know in person, that's easy. When you're looking at your screen, you see the, the numbers. Inevitably, you start thinking about your users just as numbers. So mm -hmm. it doesn't register with you as... Because it's a kind of a psychological thing, um, you know. Yeah. In when you're just you know having your regular grocery shop, that's not a problem uh, because you can see these people all the time. You see, are they coming back or not? Are they yeah. become your loyal customers or not? But if you're yeah. just staring at your laptop and this hundreds of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people who are using your app, you yeah. keep losing this this important notion. These yeah. are the people you have to retain them. You have to make sure you do make sure that they use your product once the user acquisition campaign is over. Yeah. And the second thing, absolutely, I using Notion myself a lot. Mm -hmm. um, I strongly encourage people to think about if they can. I I don't want to use I don't want to use the term, the term trick. It's not a trick. It's a good way of luring people in uh delivering the value and helping right. them to help you yeah i think reforge does i mean all of this is so well documented and taught by reforge and they do a really nice job of thinking about organic loops which is mm -hmm. yeah we all want to get there um but you can't go from like zero to one right and have an organic loop so they do a really nice job of giving examples of manufactured loops and that's where you start pushing like interesting incentives and you start pushing like different like behavioral tricks to get people back into the product and build a habit and get in there and then start sharing them like at the right moments. Miro does this really well. Um, there are so many like Dropbox does this really well. Like it's mm -hmm. just almost invisible and you don't realize that you're like fueling their bottom line. Exactly. Okay, KPIs. What strategy would you suggest when it comes to measuring KPIs? This is the really good question for people uh, who work in the app analytics companies, because yeah. when you ask every app marketer, they will give you a different answer. But yeah. I truly value what people have to say who are working in app analytics companies and do this for a living. Yeah, I like I have a couple answers for this. My first one is just get started. Um, like, don't search for perfect. And I know like it's so easy because you can rabbit hole with metrics and you can rabbit hole with KPIs, but just get started because the moment you get started, the faster you do, the faster you start thinking about what are the inputs that moves the needles on key metrics that actually tie back to business outcomes, then 
you'll start testing and you'll learn. And like, it's totally okay that those things will move. Like just, just know that it's going to be okay. The second thing is beware of the vanity metrics. And I think we talked about this with the linear activities. Like it's super exciting to run a campaign, get a bunch of new users and think that's a win and start wanting to like put more money into that, especially if you're getting a lot of pressure from like other teams and leadership that you need to like hit these vanity metrics. Like I think stand by the value you're trying to deliver from your product, whether it's something fun, whether it's making somebody's life easier, like you got into this business to develop, like deliver a certain value, like stick with that. When you're talking about the faceless numbers, like be really passionate about your differentiator and the difference you're trying to make. It doesn't have to be big, but like just hang on to that and like get rid of the vanity metrics and like a good sign that you're hitting a vanity metric if it's it's too easy. If you're like, oh yeah, we 3 x our number. That's a vanity metric. Throw that one away and make it harder. That's something my boss always tells me. If it's too easy to hit your target, then like we did it all wrong. We have to raise the bar. And then I think the third thing is a lot of other companies have already figured it out. Like go through companies that are similar to yours with a similar business model, similar user groups, and then just map it out. Like open up Miro and map out that entire journey. Look at the key events. And there's probably just like 20 metrics that you really need to track. There are probably 20 events that you really need to look out for that are driving those metrics forwards and just start moving forward with that. Okay, great. Uh, next up, it's um, let's add a bit of astronomy to this conversation. Yeah. Esther, please tell me about the North Star concept yeah. and how it works for app analytics. Yeah, so the North Star metric is really like we can call it the vanity metric killer, like this layer, it's all it's really doing is taking activities and tying it to outcomes. So there's usually one metric um, and this will change over time based on market conditions, business model, usage, whatever. But you start with this one idea, like what's the one thing that inflection point that if my users get to this, then it's a really, really, really good leading indicator that mm -hmm. I will be able to retain them, monetize off of them, you know, turn them into a paying customer. And for Amplitude, like we look at things like weekly active users. Now we have weekly active learners. We have like chart creation. Like there are a number of different things that we're looking at that we know like if they hit this point, then like they're going to become like somebody that's able to drive our revenue. Like if we can get people to actually hit this metric, um, what's like one that's something, because that's a B2B use case and not a lot of people can relate to that. I think with Facebook kind of has this really iconic um, North Star metric case study where they thought, I think it was like sharing or something like that, like the number of sharing or the number of posts. And there was this idea of like, you know, what is it that Facebook users actually have to do um, in order for us to know that we're going to end up like keeping them around for like long-term customers. And then it ended up being something like really specific, like inviting seven friends. There was some sort of inflection point that was really, really precise of like the moment that they invite like seven or nine friends or something like that. Like that became their North Star metric because they knew like everybody afterwards, like they had like a really, really high probability of like generating revenue off of them, probably through ads. So everything, like all of the squads and all the product pods um, that were working like on these different products at Facebook and like it, it can translate to any, any company with a North Star metric will work towards moving in needle and input 
that also ties back to that North Star metric. The North Star metric is your indicator. Are you going up or down or you staggering, right? Yeah, I think that's a good way. I think another way to think of it is like, are all of the things that your team is working on their building, um, are they moving the needle on like different inputs that are actually moving your North Star metric forward? Okay, uh, got it. Um, app engagement is a dear to heart of every app marketer. And we know that there are different kinds of engagements. Uh, so let's talk about not Game of Thrones, but game yeah. of engagement. Yeah. What are types of app engagement are out there? Yeah. And what app marketers should know about them? Yeah, so there are probably three main, like we think about them as three different engagement games. There's the attention game. So social media is a really good one. Thinking about like they want your attention, they want to serve you ads, they monetize off of that. Oh yeah. There's the transaction game, e-commerce, right? Like awesome. Right. Um, and then the third one is the productivity game. So any kind of B2B company is really in the productivity game. Um like Asana is in the productivity game, HubSpot's in the productivity game, Atlassian obviously is in the productivity game, Amplitude is in the productivity game. You were saying like you need an entire army of analytics people and a lot of time, like Amplitude is meant to be like, no, you can actually calculate an end day retention chart very easily in Amplitude without an army of people. That's like the productivity game. So narrowing down which one of those you're playing will help you figure out like where you are um, and understanding the type of North Star metric that you need to go for. And you think of any cases where probably they're kind of a mixing, it's not like probably one of those is dominated, but you cannot say clearly like, um, when yeah. we, when we, even when we talk about social media, uh, you know, Facebook is tinkering with these um, paid uh, accounts where you have the um, certain features that are, that are not available for free. So yeah, so, yeah you're, you're kind of a go to this, uh, you know, switching slightly not entirely from the you know game of uh, um attention to the uh, um e-commerce yeah it, it's a really good question um i would say first if you're serious about trying out the north star framework like it's okay you don't have to get hung up on what's the perfect game i think marketplaces struggle with this because they have two users they have the buyers and they have the sellers and those are there's like a transaction game there for buyers Maybe there's a productivity game there. Maybe there's even an attention game. So the marketplaces are like a weird thing there. It's okay to not know exactly which one, but most likely you are playing one game, but your inputs might be playing a different one, right? So like you might be playing the attention game, but your inputs could be the productivity game and it'll look like that. So understanding like where things are, there's a really cool, like very simple flowchart of the North Star metric framework. And like, I can share that later with you. You can share it out with people, but it's mm -hmm. literally yeah. just like activity, right. inputs, North Star metric, business outcomes. They all go in one direction. Understood. All right, let's sum up what we've just covered. What are the key takeaways for our listeners? Um, just get started. It's okay to get started and not find that perfect metric. Just start testing and move quickly. Um, the second thing is like beware of the vanity metric. So if your numbers are too easy to hit and you're always like overcoming them and you're saying you're doing anything X, uh, they're probably a vanity metric. They're probably too easy. Um, and then beware of the linear 
let's say it a different way instead of linear versus growth loops. Like, are you really driving value for your users or are you just acquiring users and dumping them into your product and not thinking about like what they're doing later on? Are you handing that off to another team? Every single team, even if you're a performance marketer, every single team should be thinking about whether or not you're delivering value to your users through your work. Okay, great. Before switching to the second part, I have this question on the business side. Esther, is there something about your field you would really like to change? Yeah, like so many things that I would like to change. Pick up one if it's possible. So I'm I'm a growth marketer and I think this applies to marketers and maybe product people too, but I think marketers don't spend enough time talking to our users. Uh, we spend a lot of time making assumptions, building campaigns, running activities, driving forward vanity metrics, um, thinking about the machinery of marketing, but not enough time talking to users. I would love to like change that and have that like ingrained in the culture of marketing. Yeah, it's hard that that would be definitely great if that's uh, you know that thing can be changed uh, and on scale uh, for every industry. Right. Okay, let's switch to the second part where I get a chance to ask a few quick questions uh, because I want my listeners to be able to know people who are coming in the show a little bit better. Sure. Here we go. Uh, what smartphone do you have now? Uh, have, you, have you been switching between these two big brands or just staying one side all the time? iPhone. I don't know how the buttons work on any other phone. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty straightforward. Uh, let's jump back in time. Uh, what was your first mobile phone? The one you could put in your pocket? It was a Nokia and I played so much Snake. Snake, oh yeah. Yeah, that that famous snake. Um <laughs> okay. Um back to present. Mm -hmm. Imagine you've left your home without your iPhone. Uh what would be missing feature for you like the most? Maps. Apps. Maps. Apple Maps, Google Maps, both. Google Maps, never Apple Maps. Definitely Google Maps. Okay. Um now um probably have this moments when you're looking at your phone and go like wouldn't be great if that thing can do this or that um hardware software or both mm, something not trendy not fancy but specifically for you um i just kind of wish i could do more on my phone as an extension of my life like i'm a busy mom i have two young kids oh. i want to work all the time and I like, I really wish like there were, this is, I think on the side of companies like Miro, like if they could just make their mobile app experience better, any kind of project management tool, like editing a confluence document on your phone is really, really terrible. So like all of these things, I just wish it could help me like extend my life into, from my laptop into my phone. Got it. Yeah, that would be great. Okay, before I let you go, very final question. How can people get in touch with you and get more information about what you do? Yeah, so I uh, definitely open getting in touch with me on LinkedIn. And then I'm also uh, building a community at Amplitude. 
So I would welcome people joining that community. It's called Cohort. I would be happy to send you a link to join. Um, yeah, those are the two best ways to reach out to me. Great. Esther, thank you so much for coming on the show and spending time with us. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. This was fun. And that was Esther Trapado, Growth Marketing Amplitude. To listen to more episodes, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts. Just search for Business of Apps and you will find us easily. Remember, we release episodes every Monday. So subscribe and you will be able to get new episodes on your smartphone, tablet, or computer as soon as we release them. And please don't forget to leave us a review or comment on iTunes. It is highly appreciated. And episodes will also be available on businessofapps.com. Thank you for listening. See you next week. Thank you for listening to the Business of Apps podcast. For more, head on over to businessofapps.com. 